Hi, I'm Mark Richardson. Welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that's really designed to help you think about and reflect on your business, not just do your business. What I tried to do over the course of the last literally 200 episodes of this podcast series is take different topics that I think are especially interesting and relevant and really give you just a very small snapshot to be able to think about these things and incorporate them into your business. For the last three or four months, I've been focused on the subject of sales and I have a now sales mastery series that I think anyone that is really trying to take their sales acumen and game to the next level ought to go back and kind of look at some of those different episodes because I think it really gives you, I think, not only answers but also a little bit of a snapshot of what the environment really is all about and how we need to adjust You know, today we're going to be talking about kind of cracking that code. And cracking the code, I think, means to adjust, means to shift, means to pivot from what we've done in the past. And I try to use these different words because I know that they mean something differently to different people out there. You know, as you think about the environment out there, you know, it's really different than it was uh, a year ago. A year ago, people were just coming out of covid Uh, They were relatively empathetic. Um, Quite frankly, their home had, in some cases, been something that had become a top, top priority for them, but they hadn't done anything. So they were really willing to kind of stand in line. They were listening to all the news about price escalation, all those kind of things. So they were willing to, I think, stretch the budgets a little bit uh, further. Today, I think the client is really quite different. They have as the definition of feral defines, have escaped from captivity. Uh, Their tolerances are not the same as they were before. Their priorities are not the same as they were before. Their willingness, based on a little bit of shakiness, certainly in the economy and the market, is also not the same, and they're really wanting to look for ways to save. They're not necessarily out there looking to do a lot more shopping, but they are very value and price sensitive today that they weren't necessarily in the past. So it's kind of a double-edged sword when you see price escalation being still pretty substantial, 10, 20, 25% price escalation, and the client, on the other hand, wanting to spend less, then it creates really, I think, a dynamic that is really kind of a tricky one out there that you have to adjust, you have to change your sales strategies and approaches if you're going to be more successful. Now, a lot of the things I talk about in this podcast, they're really more about getting one more out of 10. Uh, Many of you out there listening to this, your close rates are 10, 15, 20, 25%. So if you can just get one more out of 10, you're literally adding 30, 40% to your close rate. So do not listen to these bits of advice as being, you know, kind of gospel. I need to do these things every single time. Listen to them from the point of view. Will they allow me to get one more out of 10? So, you know, this notion of of change, I think, is really critical. And I'm not going to hang too much on the kind of the philosophy behind it. But when I first heard kind of the the 
person that won an Entrepreneur of the Year award say, you know, if a business is not changing, if people are not changing, they'll become irrelevant. It really hit a chord for me. It hit a chord for me in that the ultimate insult and failure comes out of res- as a result of being irrelevant. So this notion that you really need to adjust and change. You know, further, a good friend of mine, Joaquin Arazo, about 25 years ago, shared a little phrase about being in the wave. You know, today more than ever, you need to be in the wave, not ahead of the wave, not behind the wave, but in the wave. And for those that watch the waves at the summertime at the surf here, you really appreciate if you're ahead of the wave, you're going to get crashed on. It's going to hurt. You're going to spend a lot of time and energy, and it's not necessarily get you where you need to get. If you're behind the wave, you're going to fall short. So if you can find that right kind of place to be in the wave, that's going to be where the magic is. And I think some of the things I'm talking about today as a result to some of the things you need to be in the wave or you need to change or adjust or pivot as it, rel- as it relates to the sales process, I think will help you dramatically. So I've created kind of my little Letterman top 10 list, but I encourage you just to reflect and create your own list of what are those things that you need to adjust and modify and change. And I think the reality is, is that if you can do that, you're going to see one more out of 10 crossover. So the first thing is, I think today more than ever, you need to focus more on the client and not the project, more on the relationship, not necessarily the um um, you know, the, the technical side. And when I say focus on the client, I'm, I'm talking about focus on their fears, focus on their anxieties, focus on their ignorance. You know, you've got to be the professor of remodeling, not necessarily the peddler of remodeling. And also focus and be sensitive to their overwhelm and their priorities. Keep in mind, they've escaped from captivity. So now they have a lot of other priorities coming into their life, not the least of which is one of your biggest competitors with clients today is travel, and it's their time. So you've got to be able to be kind of masterful of that element. But if you focus on the relationship of the client rather than the project itself, the likelihood that you're going to see more success is going to be much greater. Uh, Number two on my list is adjust your sales process. Now, I work with a lot of different companies all around the country that, you know, for the most part, have a sales process. And what's shocking, I think, is that probably nine out of 10 companies don't have a sales process. And I think that's partially because I think, you know, many, many remodelers tend to be a little bit more mavericks and then they don't feel like they need a process. Well, I will say a process really frees you, not constrains you. It allows you to really uh, kind of play that musical instrument in a more poetic and masterful way. So, but I do think you need to start to adjust your process slightly. So, for example... I think trying to leverage a little bit more other members of the team in the sale itself. 
You know, if the client, client gets kind of excited about meeting the production manager or meeting the designer in the process rather than just the salesperson or just the owner, I think that is probably a positive thing to tip them over. If they actually come into the office and see what you're all about and see how their project evolves and allows them to see all the different things when it comes to different projects and timelines and Gantt charts and all those things that exist in a lot of offices, uh, that helps. They're also uh, adjusting your process. You might want to think much more in terms of integrating a feasibility or preliminary design step into your process or even adjusting how you go about doing that based on kind of the reaction that you're seeing. But the bottom line is I do think it's reasonable in this environment to adjust your process and not necessarily be dogmatic of what it was in the past. Number three, which is a little bit more specific, I think you ought to, with lead flow being a little bit down and a little bit more scarce, I think you ought to think about how you're going about qualifying. You know, we've put a lot of energy into that first contact with the client and oftentimes given them the license to do certain things in terms of qualifying. And I think Today, you need to get up to the plate as many times as you can. And I think a lot of times that qualifying process that you're doing up front is not necessarily helping you. So I think examining it and also maybe just changing some of the language and words and not necessarily uh, focusing too, too much on making it more of a qualifying, but making it more about a magnet to become part of you and integrate in some drip selling in that first step in the process and not necessarily as a purely a qualifying, uh, are they the right client for you? You can always do that a little bit deeper into the conversation with you or the salesperson, but I think if you can qualify less upfront, the likelihood that you might find there's a crown jewel or a gem that might proceed. You know, we oftentimes ask a client, have they thought about uh, you know, what their level of budget is very early in the process, whereas we might want to let that leash out just a little bit more and educate them more than just asking them the question. Number four on my list is uh, you've got to create urgency. You know, I think there's a lot of confusion going on on the client's part when it comes to urgency. And there's a lot of ways to create urgency. But always think about when they want to be in the space, not when they want to start a project. And I think the more that you're focused on that kind of conversation with the client, you can generally create urgency. Because if you can have the client move forward and they have all the data why this is a great time to do the project, why this is uh, why they really need to do the project and why do it with you. The likelihood that there's more urgency and they're going to make you a priority in the process and be able to proceed on is going to be so much greater. Uh, number five on my list of you know pivoting and, and changing is a little bit more internal in sales, and that is training. You know, I know many years ago I led a group right after the crash. And some were struggling and some were doing better. And one of the questions I asked, how many of you have increased the training in this tougher environment versus decrease? Everyone that increased sales training uh, increased their sales and everyone that had 
kind of cut back on some of their training because of being busy and time and those kind of things had actually fallen back in sales. So when you think about this for yourself, you know, sales training is not a sales meeting. You know, one misconception a lot of companies have as I'm talking to them is they talk about, you know, uh, this is what we do in our sales meeting. Well, that's not necessarily sales training. I mean, sales training involves, for example, role playing, how they're dealing with different strategies and issues, uh, the words and language. They're using even technology tools to be able to study the, the uh, uh, type of uh, uh, sales process. Uh, reading, listening to podcasts. I've got a series here of things that are just gifts, quite frankly, when it comes to sales training, you could really leverage. And also group discussions about particular sales challenges and those things that are out there. But the more time and energy I think you're putting into training, uh, the better. And I would say in the environment today, you ought to be spending with your team, with yourself even, at least one or two hours a week on sales training, not just sales doing. You know, a real pro actually puts the time and energy on the practice field and then plays the game. They don't treat the game, i.e. the client, as practice. So I think the more you focus on training today could pay off well. Number six, and I did a whole podcast on this topic, so I'm not going to go into too much detail, but you need to master different techniques like the power of three. You know, the book was written by Barry Schwartz many years ago, Paradox of Choice, and it was really interesting when I read that because it hit a chord of my power of three kind of training. But power of three, I think, helps to frame the decisions for the client. Power of three is giving the client the right number of choices. So go back and listen to that. But that's a sales technique that uh, you can actually employ Weave it into your conversation with clients and you will absolutely see better results, including three closing questions that ultimately help guide the client in the process. Number seven on my list is you need to tweak and adjust, I think, your your mastering of the money talk. You know, probably the biggest challenge and the biggest reason people don't proceed right now with you and your, and reduce your conversion rates down, it has to do with money. So therefore, you have to be a financial planner. You've got to be an investment counselor. You've got to be a therapist. You've got to be able to be able to discuss money in the right kind of way and have the courage really to get it out there. There's a lot of different language that you can use, but you've got to be able to master the money talk, I think, more than anything today. And knowing how to talk about it, the words, the more that you can get the client to truly believe it's their budget that they're investing in, not necessarily your price. I think that's where I think you're going to see that one more out of 10 cross the finish line. Number eight is looking in a little bit of the mirror of yourself. I think one of the things that uh, will always be the case is the authorities in remodeling will always have an abundance of opportunities, whereas the experts will go with the flow of the market and the economy. 
And I say this because are you really the authority of remodeling or are you just an expert? Is it just your vocation? And you can create authority when it comes to remodeling for your clients that really separate, I think, you from the past. You know, I know when I wrote my first book, immediately I became an authority. You know, when I was given Entrepreneur of the Year Award, I immediately became an authority or having a radio show became an authority. These are all things that you can actually weave into your mix. You could be published, for example, on an article you've written, and now you are the authority. You can certainly do a podcast on your own, and you can become the authority. So I would encourage you, work towards being an authority, not just an expert. And I think that really helps to position you and really gain more traction for additional business. Number nine on my list, and this is really important. I know it's somewhat controversial for for some out there in design and remodeling, especially from the technical side, and that is you need to sell down in this environment, not sell up. Now, allow the client, if they want to creep a little bit up, but you need to encourage them to have more value-oriented choices. Now, there's been some real research on this group I work with, Cleveland Research, actually did some studies on this and surveys on this. And essentially, the homeowners out there were saying they really, really want the project and they're willing to compromise on the finishes, the specifications, and maybe even some of the scope to be able to get the project. Now, my question to you, are you the tour guide to help them with those value-oriented choices? So when you're talking about some of the specifications, you know, don't try to be overly zealous and always push people to the best and the better quality, regardless what they say. Try to do just the reverse of that. Try to encourage them to think about alternatives that will save them money, not necessarily spend more money. And I think you're going to find their level of comfort and willingness to cross the finish line on this will be much, much greater. And number 10 on my list, it really has to do a little bit more with the mojo. And you've got to have your that you got to have your mojo, I think, in the environment that we're in right now. So I always encourage people, rather than just swinging for the fences for the home runs, try to just get a single or a double. Because when you get out and sell something, even though it's corrupting maybe your project size, you actually get your mojo back. And when you get your mojo back, the best time to sell something is after you've just sold something. And therefore, try to sell something some of the smaller things that you can actually get, I think, that dance down as opposed to continuing to walk up to the plate and striking out on projects. It also could be a larger addendum on a project if you take them through that sales process. So it's an existing client that may want to do just more. But always try to sell something, and that will create, I think, an environment that helps you to pivot and be able to fix, for example, whatever you need to do in your sales process. So I want to thank everybody for listening to this particular podcast series. Again, these are all hooked together. They're hooked together in the sense of really telling you an overall story, and many of the podcasts are just individual chapters of that. So I want to thank everybody for listening, and I hope you have a very successful selling season coming up, and I will speak to you soon.